if you take anything away from this conversation, you're looking at the next Joe Rogan of sports. In case you haven't noticed, we love podcasts. In fact, we love building podcasts, everything from development to production. Because of all that, we're building a one-of-a-kind podcast network. If you have a podcast or looking to launch a new podcast, then we should talk. You can message me on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz or hit us up any way that works for you. Let's talk about your podcast joining this one-of-a-kind podcast network. What was your fascination with the NFL? Well, my fascination with the NFL, I grew up as a young guy, right? watching sports with my dad and actually losing him was uh, kind of what propelled me to do what I do. So yeah. I got into fantasy sports probably in 2012, just loved watching football. You know yeah. what I mean? And it was like just a passion for me. And then I started the fantasy, got really obsessed with it in 2012, like overly obsessed. I was in a league, just got obsessed with playing it. And I just wanted to do it better than everybody else. Okay. So it's interesting. I think I was probably involved in fantasy sports before that. And it's been interesting to watch like the evolution that someone has because the growth of fantasy football and fantasy sports in general, it's exponential. It's next level, right? It just continues every single day or every year. You know, there's people I run across that are involved with it. They're talking about their team when they're at an event that has nothing to do with fantasy sports or sports in general. And they're talking about the players on their team. And, you know, I've been interested to see that there's different reasons to get involved in fantasy sports. Have you seen that like with your audience? Because you could just be like, I love football and I love everything about football and I want to watch football. Then there's aspects of it to where people don't even really, they like football. They're just, maybe there's like this ownership aspect of it or they feel like they have some sort of control, but it's also like a camaraderie thing. It's a friendship thing. It could be an office thing. It could be a way to meet new people. It's like mini communities all over the place that exist in this I don't know, in this sports and this fantasy universe, but what have you seen from like, because obviously you're having tons of conversations with people that are like, you consider sharks and versus newbies who show up and they don't even know who they should draft in the first round. So it's more of a life. So are you asking like, is it like, why do people do it basically? Well, what have you seen like evolution from 2012 till now with fantasy football? It's just, it's more interactive, especially with social media. So it's more like you see a lot of players right now getting like really upset and offended when you say, oh, you sucked in fantasy. So it's become more of a, a lifestyle and more integrated and weaved into reality football, where at this point it can't be avoided. So initially just start off with a bunch of buddies and guys and girls hanging out and playing in leagues. Now it's become this like, it's almost overshadowing real football because so many people are watching games where I would never watch a Jacksonville game, right? But I would probably watch it <laughs> if I've got some Christian Kirk stock for this year, stuff right. like that, right? So it's become integrated and interweaved with reality. It's pretty wild. Yeah. When you say, and you know, players get upset when they're upset about a player, and there's no doubt, like in all these things, people can take it too far, right? We've seen it. There's been movies made about like, you know, gambling or becoming like this obsessive fan. Right. But players, like some players take it and understand like the reason they're getting paid so much money is because of television, is because of the media, is because of things like fantasy football. Because like I said before, there's people that like would could care less about football. Yet they're sitting there from one o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday East Coast until late in the evening watching all the games and checking on the websites and doing all this stuff. So it's like, I find it fascinating that players are 
kind of at times, it's not all of them would be upset about it where other ones are like, no, 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 this is an opportunity. Like this is my brand that I can build based on fantasy. At the same time, it's their livelihood too. So there is this balance that you have. Yeah. And what the biggest problem is, I mean, there is some good players that are respecting the sport. Like Austin Eckler are respecting fantasy football. But what the crazy thing is when they say, I don't care about your fantasy teams, you should because it's directly parallel. It runs in proportion. Like they're together. If you do well in reality, that translates to fantasy. So if you have a crappy game in reality, that's going to suck in fantasy, which means you had a bad game as a real player. So you want to do well, you know, in reality that again, translates to fantasy. So it's kind of stupid when I hear players saying, well, I don't care what your fantasy teams. Well, you kind of should, you know, yeah, and again, yeah. these players are the ones paying your bills. They're the fans and they probably wouldn't even watch you or know who you are for the most part. Like there's certain players on certain teams that like, they just don't have a big social media following. And they're known because of fantasy. Even young guys coming in, like a Christian Watson. Yeah, he's known in the draft. He's known to Packers fans. A lot of people don't know who he is. And a lot of people didn't know who Damian Pierce was until he kind of broke out. And then he got exploded even more. Like he got magnified, I guess is the word, because of fantasy. Damian Pierce could have had that preseason game. Texas fan would have taken notice. A couple of football fans would have taken notice. Because of fantasy, Damian Pierce is on the radar. I'm just using him as an example here into the season. Yeah. It's building that brand, right? So like if you watch college football, I don't know if you've got into college football and it's like, you know, the NFL draft is like this merging of these two universes in a way. Right. And these players, if they go to a big name college, Alabama, Ohio State, they've come up and they've been a part of that universe to where they have a huge following. So if you're the wide receiver, right? If you're Garrett Wilson at Ohio State, he has a huge following from his days in high school football in Texas and getting recruited. He's going to have that following. He can continue that path of being noticed and becoming a household name, then getting drafted by the Jets and then fantasy football. It's just ongoing evolution. And some players are going to have that advantage because they came from that background and others won't. But it is such an opportunity for these players to do that. And you know they're being talked about. Like I was somewhere, my daughter at a hockey practice yesterday and I go and I was going to grab something to eat because they have a bar there. And on the TV is ESPN is having their fantasy football draft, right? It's right. taken over. So this is like primetime television. I don't know how long the show is. My guess is a couple hours. And there they are having a draft. So now you have the mass media, the ESPNs of the world, and this has been going on. And then you have people like yourself who are creating content like on, you call it like on the YouTubers, right? Instagram. There's a lot of competition in the world of fantasy sports. Like what's it been like growing your channel with all of the content that exists in fantasy sports. Well, I'm very fortunate to have gotten started early. I think there's only like three or four online creators when I got started back in 2015. In fact, when I came up with my name, Fantasy Football Counselor, I thought it was kind of a weird name. And like I keep telling everybody, now there's a fantasy football boxer, there's a fantasy football vegetarian, there's a fantasy, like there's a fantasy football everything. And I got started before everyone else did. So I got that head start and I did it better than anybody else. And I, again, I speak with confidence and I speak with arrogance. Maybe it's my ego and I don't care. I don't like the way fantasy football advice is being given right now. And I started giving it better than everybody else. Now it's getting a little oversaturated in regards to bad advice and everybody's just doing the clickbaity type YouTube stuff. So it's ultra competitive because you've got the guys that are on the mainstream, what I call the consensus, the mainstream consensus, all those guys that give you that cookie cutter general advice 
And then you've got these guys, and I'm not saying anyone's above or below anybody, but these guys that are starting out and they're just doing this clickbaity stuff. And it's just, and I know fantasy better than anybody else. Now, I used to do MMA. I wasn't the best mixed martial arts fighter. I did math in school. I sucked at math. I'm not the best looking guy. I can't do modeling. You know, acting, not very good. But with fantasy, I'm good at that stuff, right? I know fantasy. You can't beat me in fantasy. Maybe you're a better chess player. Maybe you're a better fighter. Maybe you can arm wrestle me. Whatever. Maybe you can out grapple me. I did jujitsu. But you can't beat me in fantasy because I can see it from a, like a eagle's eye view on how to win fantasy and the strategies that actually work that are effective and the advice that I give. When I see other advice being given, I don't really watch too much of it, but I can't avoid it because when I'm looking at my stuff on YouTube to see where it ranks or stuff like that from an entrepreneurial standpoint, it just burns me, man, to see that this advice is being given out. I know it's fantasy, but... Again, going back to what we're talking about, it's a lifestyle to a lot of people. It's an escape from their nine to five. It's their outlet. And there's a lot of money and bragging lights and, and all that stuff on the line. So when I see bad advice being given, I want to grow bigger. And I am growing bigger, but I want to be even bigger so that I overshadow all of this completely and make everybody else irrelevant. And that's going to be the goal in the next three years. Look out, it's going to happen. I love that. So when you talk, there's this purpose that you have behind in your belief and saying that you're the best. And it's polarizing. Like I could go to your comments on your Apple podcast reviews. Yeah. You know, it's mostly five stars, but there's going <laughs> to be ones. Right. Right. Cause there's haters. So that's the polarizing side of it to say people are going to be upset or they're, Oh, this is bad advice. Or I read something. I disagreed with it because in sports, like that's the thing, right? Like you're wrong and I'm right. And that's it. And there's no conversation that we can have in the middle of all that. But like, I think that is essential because you're watching what's out there and you can't avoid it, right? You simply can't because it's everywhere. You can show up to a draft or you can have a conversation with someone and there's a lot of regurgitation and they might even be regurgitating you, right? To a degree. But like when you know what's being said because you can't avoid the headline that just dropped in front of you on ESPN while you're watching a game and you're not even looking for fantasy football information, then someone shows up and talks about, well, this is what I think. Well, no, it's not what you think. It's what ESPN said. And again, that's not a judgment on it. It's just, it becomes very cookie cutter to a point where like fantasy football to me in many ways, unless you're playing with certain people, like it has become very cookie cutter because they're all following the same advice. So it's like, well, that was a fun first round because everyone just went off of the advice and every single year, what we know, it's wrong. It's copied and pasted. Yeah. Going into this year, right? Mm -hmm. I'll give you a quick example. And yeah. it burns me talking about this, right? And I got to share this with my listeners. You got to get me worked up. <laughs> yeah, please. So Cooper <laughs> Cup last year, right? Everybody, here's the thing. There's no accountability. With my guys, you get 16 round draft solution. You know which players I like. I'm all in. So if I'm wrong, I'm held accountable. Joe, you were wrong about that guy last year. So for example, last year, Cooper Cup, was behind Robert Woods and all the sheeps, just the consensus regs everywhere. Everyone had Robert Woods at a Cooper Cup, except for me. I said, just fade Robert Woods. My 60 rounds, Robert Woods not even offered because 60 rounds is different. It's not consensus rankings. It's all the optimal players, you know, to draft in each round, omitting all of the guys that are bad. So I work through all that and I pick and I handpick the winners, right? So anyway, everyone had Robert Woods had a cup and a uke ahead of Debo Samuel. Najee Harris was outside the top 10 on everybody's ranking. There's not one person that had Najee Harris. I'm giving you a quick example here. There's three examples. This year, everybody's like, okay, who do you draft as the number one wide receiver? Cooper Cup. Why? Because he finished on top last year. Yeah. It just burns me. Who do you want as your number one running back? Jonathan Taylor. But the last time a running back finished two years in a row on top was a guy named Priest Holmes in 2002-2003. It's very unlikely that Cooper Cup and Taylor will finish on top. So I factor in, because I use logic and common sense, not copy and paste. 
Who is the guy that's going to project and finish ahead of these guys this year? Because we know there's a natural regression based on what history shows us and based on what the stats show us. But nobody's talking about this and nobody's saying, hey, sorry about last year. We had Najee outside the top 10. Hey, sorry about last year. We all told you, Robert, was, hey, sorry about last year. Ayuk sucked. And Debo was on my show. He came on my podcast. And I told everybody, like, look up fantasy football counselor Debo Samuel interview. Last year, he was on my show. I'm telling people Debo's the guy, and then he has his breakout year, right? Again, this is the stuff that burns me, right? It's just everybody wants to play it safe. Why? Because they don't want to be held accountable. They don't want to lose credibility. This and that. So they're just playing it safe. And this stuff has got to go, and I'm going to eliminate it over the next three years. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It it's- is crazy. I mean, I guess it's just what we see in everyday life. I think they're like, there's these things where we talk about like it's a microcosm of what's actually happening. And you can look at fantasy football and it's no different than what you see on a day to day where like it's a sheep mentality, right? Yeah. Right. Like you just get in line and do the thing that everyone else is doing. Again, this is not judging an individual person. It's just to say, like, oh. to be the contrarian, but don't be a contrarian just to be one, right? Because that can be annoying as well. But like, what do you think? Right. Because I would almost say whoever you listen to, if you're listening to you, Joe, like, wouldn't it be better to like take your information and make it my own in a way that, well, I don't necessarily agree with that. And you can adjust based on that. Like, do you expect that? Or do you expect people to take your rankings? Or I guess it depends on the person, right? It depends on the individual and their experience with fantasy football. If they have that or their insights or why they pay attention to things. Because you talked about before, there's just so many variables involved with it. But having your own opinion on something and going at I feel like there's more of an ownership in that. Like, how do you see it? How do you see your audience taking what you say to the next level? Is it just like take it and run with it or take it and like mold it into your own thing? Well, I give people options. So that's why in 16 rounds, I tell you, okay, these are the five guys I like, for example, round one. It's up to you guys to make that decision. These are the ones that I've optimized based on where they sit on the depth chart, how well they are, their use. I created the Cuddy system, consistency, upside, durability, depth, and use. They fit that criteria. Out of those guys, who do you want? At the end of the day, it's up to you to make that decision. But I'm here, I live and breathe this stuff. So I'm giving you guys my insight based on my experience. Because again, nobody can outwork me in this industry, right? And again, there's one thing that I don't get into. There's two things. is religion and politics. Believe what you want to believe and whatever. If you're far left, you're far right, that's up to you. We don't get into politics here in sports because I think that's very polarizing. But with fantasy, it's kind of got its inner politics where there's all these like, big boys clubs and stuff like that, right? So one of the political things in fantasy right now, which isn't really political, but it's polarizing if you're one way or another, is like, do you go zero RB, which means don't draft a running back in the first round, or do you go robust RB? And I'm all about the robust RB. So I'm hating on the zero RBers because I believe you got to secure that more scarce position. It's wild, man. It's wild west out here. It's cutting people's throats in fantasy football, social media. So again, I'm kind of like the black sheep of the industry and I'm okay with that. I like being the lone wolf, right? Yeah. I'm going to share a quick story for you. I don't want to give any advertising to this company here, but here's a quick story. There was a convention going on, right? And I was like, what is this convention? I'm the king of fantasy. How am I not invited to this? Not that I really care, but I was just curious because again, I wasn't getting any mainstream news. This site doesn't have any social media. So I went to see who the creators were of this place. I've never heard of most of these guys. I wanted to see who the speakers were, right? So I go to one one of the speakers here on this expo thing. And it was like, this guy was giving advice on something. Anyway, I click on the person's name and it says, this person has blocked you on Twitter. And I'm like, first of all, I don't know who you are. Second of all, why would you block me? Like, I've never met you. You don't know me. 
And that's the thing. It's like they've pushed me out because they're jealous and they know I'm crushing it and I've got the most eyeballs and I'm outworking everybody, right? So it's weird. It's not political, but it is. It's wild, man. It's wild. I love it. Yeah, I was having a conversation. So down here, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlotte FC is part of the MLS, right? They come down here and I talked to someone high up in their organization and, you know, good guy talking about soccer, talking about the growth of the game and all this. And he says, you know what? We came into Charlotte and we're pissing people off. And they don't really care. There's other clubs, not MLS clubs, but they have a youth academy, right? They're getting involved with all this. These other clubs are like, what are we doing? Like they just came in with money, resources, and just consistency and hard work. And they're showing up everywhere. And to your point is like, you're showing up and you're just doing what you do and you're working your ass off and you're creating a consistent approach to it. You're showing up on every channel. Like you asked me before, did you see me on Instagram or YouTube? I saw you on both. Right. And I saw your podcast. Right. And I saw your website and I saw all the other posts that you had. And I see that you're on LinkedIn. It's like you're not apologizing for your passion, for your purpose, and for your aggressiveness in this industry. Because, you know, in the sports industry, there has to be some, I mean, you have to be aggressive in business. Right. Like you don't want to be the guy that's really pissing people off in a bad way. But like, man, we're here. We're staying. And, you know, I think that makes sense. It's like you said before, Debo Samuel. So, how does Debo Samuel get on your show? How did that happen? It was weird, man. It was just, I just DM'd him. And again, I get a lot of DMs, negative and positive from players because I say they suck, right? <laughs> so I guess it was just a DM. And then he just said, here, message my agent. And this was before he really broke out or something like that last year. So yeah, I was just be able to get on. And you'd be surprised because once you're verified, how many people respond back to you on Instagram. It's pretty wild. And there's people that ignore me as well, right? It's not, you know, nothing's guaranteed. But uh, yeah, you just take your shot, right? Yeah, not like that. So when you create your content, where's the first place that you're creating that content for? Is it YouTube? Yeah. I mean, YouTube, and then that gets distributed over to podcasts. So YouTube and podcasts are the base and foundation. So we're into millions of views and downloads, very successful there. And that's, I've been grinding since 2016 there, but my cornerstone was Instagram when I started back in 2015. First vlogger on Instagram for fantasy sports. That was when they were doing 10 second videos, max. There was no reels. There was no story mode. It was just pictures and then you had the 10 second clip and that was where I started. It was just a quick blurb and it was, that was it. You know, it was pretty wild. So you're turning the camera on, right? You bring this energy every day. It looks very consistent. Like I can see it, especially now. You turn that on, you create your video, you convert that into a podcast, right? So you have the podcast going. You're also putting it on Instagram in some ways. You're cutting this up in different ways. Are you cutting it up? Do you have a team of people cutting it up? How are you creating all that content? Well, that's the thing, right? I've reached the point where I can hire people, but you know, entrepreneurship, man, I'm really, really hands on. That's why I've kind of reached burnout level. But again, because I'm passionate, I don't feel it. But yeah, I just kind of do my own stuff. I have a couple of people to help with writing here and there. I've got people in the background helping me just from the business aspect side. But when it comes to the hands-on, I don't want to delegate and push this stuff off to anybody because again, now you've got someone else writing your articles and I'm not there yet. You know, yeah, I'd yeah. rather maybe transcribe it at this point from an SEO perspective. Sure. But yeah, man, it's just, I got to be super hands-on and, and there's got to be a point where I got to let that go to some degree. And I don't want to do that yet. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, you enjoy it, it sounds like. So like you creating that, that reel, that clip, that image, it's my assumption is that's part of the work that you enjoy. Like it's burning out perhaps, right? Sometimes, sometimes, yeah. you know, and now it's prime time. So it feels a little burning out, but you just find your second win and you go and you, then you see the, the BS advice that's being given out. Then you get more motivated to go. I think there's an omnipresence with me that, that no one else has, you know, Twitter, my weakest point, I don't really care for it. 
So you got Discord, you got TikTok, you got YouTube, you got podcasts, you got Instagram, you got written, you got SEO. And I'm everywhere, but I'm strongest, I would say, on the podcast is very strong and the Instagram, very powerful right now. Yeah. The Discord's interesting. Is that a big thing for you right now? Is that thing something that's growing? Because that's going in many different... Because then you get in the gaming side of things, right? There's It's becoming... You know, it was like where kids would have a conversation. Like I told my daughter, like, oh, I got a Discord account. She'd be like, you can't have one of those, right? Like, but I'm like, no, no. That's where like all these... There's so much happening in there, right? And anything related to Web3, for example, the community is being built through Discord. How has that been for you? I was sleeping on Discord. I literally like, I actually was one of the first creators for fantasy on Discord when I think when it first came out, when it first started getting popular, then I compl- I had like 10 followers in there and I just slept on it. I opened it for a day and slept on it. Now it's growing significantly. Got on it about a month ago and we're back in the groove now. So I'm breaking news there because I love it. It's kind of like Twitter, but you got that kind of power in your pocket to get your word out to fans and interact when you need to. And get your messaging out. So I love Discord. The power in your hand is second to none. And I'm growing that massively. I'm going to make an assumption here. And I don't know this to be true. Did you follow Gary Vee when you were getting going? Yeah, I mean, a little bit. Now I'm a little off him yeah. now. Because again, it's the same thing. You know, go do it, go do it, yeah, go yeah. do it, go do it. Right? <laughs> it's like, I kind of get it now. And you know, I appreciate what he's done, stuff like that. But I'm kind of over all those guys. I initially started with Tony Robbins, did his Unleash the Power Within Back in, I think, 2008, he was kind of my go-to mentor. And then I realized that, you know, jumping up and down, going rah, 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 just didn't do it for me. I just thought, just take action instead of just talk about it. And another guy that really kind of set me off was that guy named Ty Lopez. You probably heard of him, right? Yeah. So, yeah, between Ty Lopez, Robbins, and V, those guys were really good to get me started. Now, my goal is to completely overshadow them over the next three years as well. I got it. Yeah. The crush it mindset of like, find your passion and go out. And I even just saw a video and I agree. You know, I think a lot of it now is for, you know, a certain someone who's looking to change something is looking for that motivation. I think from that standpoint, it's great. I think the tactical stuff, when you hear those types of conversations or those keynotes, I think those are still good that what he has, but it finding your purpose because you're like, well, who's going to have a fantasy football business? That's just weird. Like that wouldn't work. And it's like, no, there's a lot and it can work. Right. And, And you're proving that. And it's just to show because you see people working and doing their job and they don't enjoy it. So it's like when I asked you that question before, like, who are you giving this other work to? Do you have employees? Are you outsourcing? Like, what are you doing? And you're like, I like this work. This is why I do it. And regardless if you're into fantasy football or not, it's like, well, what are you into? And what can you create something around? And I would imagine, like, would you say one of the best things you have going besides your, you've talked about it before, because you're really good at it, because you have a personality when you show up, is this consistent approach that you have of showing up every day and actually posting a lot of content in all these different places? Like, would you say that's one of the main reasons why you've seen some success with that consistency? Yeah, it's definitely perseverance and consistency. A lot of people show up and they show up half time or they show half ass and they don't try or and it's a combination of, again, I'm not trying to be arrogant. Like, I know I've got it when it comes to this. Nobody can outwork me. So it's a combination of personality. It's a combination of staying consistent. And it's a combination of, and again, doing the right thing, giving the good advice. And it can be polarizing. So some people may not like it. They might be fantasy football offended, right? Like, I mean, it is what it is. And I'm going to get my haters. But again, it's a good sign to show that you love me or hate me. I know I'm right. Most of the time anyway. Yeah. The production, so you talk about YouTube, you talk about your podcast, and that's having success. The production quality is really good. And that's very important to you, right? Because anyone can go create a podcast and you hear it. Like people create podcasts all the time out of their basement. And that's fine, right? And if it's a great conversation and the quality is not the best, well, hey, maybe I got to hear the great conversation. But it seems to me the production of what you are putting together, that quality 
is essential to what you're doing. Again, this is whether it's fantasy football or you have a financial services business or you're a lawyer or whatever that is, the quality of that is important. Like I see it. So I'm absolutely biased to like, it's important to audio engineer this content. How important has that been to you? And have you continued to level up your game when it comes to your production quality? Yeah, I mean, I started off with the Blue Yeti and it was just an audio podcast back in 2016. And now we've got, you know, the Shure SM7B, make sure the audio is good. So obviously that's always a work in progress, but you can only get it so good. And it's just at that point, you know, you plateau and then it's like tweaking at that point. That's never going to be perfect. And I just think that I try to do the best I can and try to keep it as real as organic talking head kind of thing. And you see people zooming in, zooming out, adding graphics. I think there's a simple talk with an occasional image. And I just find simple is easy for me. Again, a lot of people are trying to get really intricate with the way that they're displaying stuff. Again, I think simple and clean talking. I mean, a perfect example of this is Joe Rogan, right? And if you take anything away from this conversation, you're looking at the next Joe Rogan of sports. So I'm going to be branching out and other stuff, more stuff down the pipeline. I got some big things on the go. But again, it's just simple, clean, conversation, concise. And it's all main thing is accurate and getting that information to people in a shorter amount of time, ideally, but getting them that information to win and keeping it clean. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, the audio, the mic, the connection that you have, and then hearing the crisp sound that you get off of that, like that is the simplicity of it, right? That sound is what matters. It's like reading a book. If you read a book and it was just a scribbled mess and you couldn't read it, it's hard to read. You wouldn't do it, right? That's why you want a clean copy. So when you open up the book, you look at that piece of paper, it's like, wow, the word just pop off the page and you can read it, you can enjoy it. And I think that sound is important. And I hear it, right? I hear in the sound that you're creating. So that that is an essential part, no different than like Joe Rogan or Lex Friedman and these people that have like, they're in a dark room, right? And they're just having a conversation and the sound just comes off as very pure and it always has. And I think that consistent, simplistic approach is very important. And if people don't realize that I actually care. So when I see a player out modeling, right? Like, why aren't you on the field working? And again, I get people got to make their side hustle. But if your main job is to play football and you're out modeling in black silk underwear or whatever color underwear is, having just leopard color, and you're just out there modeling and, and it's just get on the field. And I pick on these players a little bit and some people get upset about it, but most people are like, yeah, get on the field and they get behind me, right? <laughs> so again, it's about, I'm really obsessed with people winning, right? I just want you to win. That's all it is. So if I see a player like slacking or getting arrested, I'm going to call them out, man. Like you've got a job to do, right? You, you're getting paid millions of dollars. If football was my life and I'm getting paid millions of dollars, I'm playing football. You know, I might do a gig here and there, but again, the main thing is let's build this. And most of these guys are just, they've got millions. Like when you want a couple million more, it is what it is. But again, I want people to win. That's my goal. Yeah. Where are we heading? You know, fantasy football has certainly evolved. It used to be done like through the mail, right? And you would draft players or you would do it off of like a, a salary cap type of format because you didn't have this digital place that we could do this now, the internet. Where do you see, right? Things are moved as you've seen over the last couple of years. You had COVID and then, you know, Web3 is becoming a thing and NFT world and the metaverse and esports is a big deal. And there's different ways to do it. But like, have you put thought into it? Or you're obviously having conversations with people and you're thinking through this like 24 seven. Where do you see, like, and you could take that forever you want. Like, it's not like making a prediction of what fantasy football is going to look like in 10 years, but it's changing, right? We know that it's changing. Where do you see the future of fantasy football and taking that however you want? Well, consistently involving and I don't want to reveal too much, but I mean, yeah, you definitely want to definitely look into that metaverse for fantasy, which is something I'm looking at doing later on. So 
it's just going to keep evolving and more people are going to come on and it's just going to get more popular and advice is going to be given digitally like this, right? So yeah, just keep going, really. I don't, I don't want to spend say too much about it, but I've got some plans here on the future of it as I continue to take over the industry without saying everything about it. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. And I think that's it. The community is an aspect of it, which you talk about Discord, which you can talk about people in the metaverse, right? As they're having these drafts in the metaverse, as an example, and the players could show. I mean, again, I'm just like, this is just coming off the top of my head. These are things that could happen, right? And who knows what the NFL is going to be doing to make it a better experience because the NFL, as we know, is pretty smart when it comes to this stuff and making money. And you're going to be getting Amazon and Apple or whoever else into the streaming services, the amount of money that they're going to have they want to keep their fans engaged, right? I mean, that's why gambling, you're all of a sudden, you're going to be able to gamble. You're going to be able to do fantasy football, daily fantasy football with these things. Like that didn't exist in 2012. So now you have DraftKings and FanDuel out here and they're perhaps like, I'm not saying disrupting, they're just giving, it's just exposing more people to it. So it's like the rising tide raises all ships. And do you see that when it comes to DraftKings and FanDuel? Or do you see it on the other side where it's like disrupting the season-long fantasy football leagues? I mean... I think everyone's going to have its own basket, right? So there's constantly more DFS sites coming up. I think everyone's got their own thing, but uh, year long is kind of the more popular one at this point. So I know a lot of people play DFS, but year long is going to always have its home and it's always going to be year long as kind of the main thing. Everyone's got its own basket, but I think they're going to all coexist together and there's going to be new competitors coming to the game. Yeah. I've seen your videos before. I'm talking to you now and I see your the Manscaped behind you. You've monetized this thing. And is advertising the main way that you've monetized your platform? Yeah, sponsors is a big one. And then, of course, the draft solution and the products and swag. So that's the other big one as well. Okay. That'll be continued for you? Yeah, absolutely. How has the advertising partners been? You seem to ingrain it well, right? Like a lot of times you'll hear it and it kind of takes over and it gets in the way of the content. But at the same time, it's like, well, that's what's going to power you to continue creating this content. So the sponsorships matter. So if I'm a fan of your platform, I want to support and I want to listen to that ad and I want to support those so you continue to create so I can continue to get the good information that I need from you. How have those relationships been? And I'm asking, you know, for you, but for other people out there that are looking to build this thing. So like, well, how do I monetize it? What's my return on it? And I think like you having a conversation with Debo Samuel, like how do you suggest like what the ROI of that was, right? That's an amazing conversation that you got to have and you're continuing to learn in all these conversations, you're putting yourself out there. I'm sure you've learned a ton by just creating content by itself. And at the same time, like there's this, well, what if the unknown return on this thing is just completely unlimited and something you could never have imagined? But at the same time, you have to pay those bills. That's where the sponsors come in. So what was that like? Did they reach out to you? Did you reach out to them? How did that come to be? I mean, it's different. At the end of the day, it all becomes one big blur because you've got people coming from all over. You're reaching out, they're reaching out to you. It's like, I can't even handpick because Manscaped I talked to like almost two to three years ago. So I don't even remember how that initiated, but it's making sure the content though is integrated in such a way where it's not completely canned, right? A lot of people do content, it's canned. Hey, this show's brought to you by right. blah, blah, blah. I don't, you know, like I don't like the canned cookie cutter stuff. And another thing that's very, very important, I would never promote, and I see so many people, and I don't even want to use the word, but putting themselves out to just sell anything. Hey guys, this pen, buy this pen. You know, anyone that'll just throw money, I'm very selective with who I deal with because again, if I don't use it and if I don't believe believe in it. Why would I push it to you? Like, would I just come and sell you a mattress that I would never sleep on? Absolutely not. But Manscaped, I actually use it. And I actually genuinely feel 
because I know because I use it that their underwear is the most comfortable that I've ever worn. I wouldn't lie about it. I don't like lying about who I promote. Hooters, like some people say, well, I like the food. Some people say I don't like the food. I went there. I genuinely like the food. If I did not like the Hooters wings when I was there, I would say, hey guys, I don't like it, but I do. So I would only promote stuff that I believe in and that I've used and I've tried and I actually like. That's key. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good stuff. Oh, you see my hat that I'm wearing right now. Josh Allen. Are you are you a Buffalo fan? Yeah. Or what? So born and raised in Buffalo. The Bills have been, it's an interesting relationship. You're right up the road from Buffalo up to QEW. Yeah. So you've been around, you guys almost got the Bills some years ago before the Pagula's bottom. John Bon Jovi was looking to bring the Bills to Toronto. And, and you know, things have changed with that. And, and the Bills were, they asked for all these years to have a quarterback post Jim Kelly that can go out and win him a game when it mattered in the last two minutes. And Josh Allen just basically did that twice against the Chiefs in last year's AFC Championship. And yet they still lost the game somehow. It's unbelievable. That's what happens. And, you know, coaching is a big part of football, right? And coaching is a big part of fantasy football because you have to understand... Because I could sit here and say, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, they're unbelievable quarterbacks. And as far as fantasy is related, they're both unbelievable. The question then becomes like, what if the Bills defense, let's just as an example is really good this year. And Josh Allen doesn't need to put up 40 points, 35 points, because the defense is getting it done. And then they like, well, we know we're a Super Bowl contender. This guy can't get hurt, right? If this guy's hurt, the season's over, right? They're not winning the Super Bowl. So you have to watch that because he scores a lot of running touchdowns. He's, you know, he might run for 80 yards and throw for 300 yards, but that can change quickly when, well, they just still won, let's say 30 to 10. He threw for 200 yards, two touchdowns in those running backs ran for three touchdowns. So all of a sudden on a fantasy day, he still had a good day, but from a fantasy perspective, he didn't have to continue to score touchdowns play after play because let's just say the defense was really good. So it's like, there's a lot of strategy involved in this and just assuming that Josh Allen is like, let's say you think he's the best or someone thinks he's the best quarterback. It might be, but there's so many layers. To this. We've seen it before. We're like, there's been years when Peyton Manning had to continue to throw touchdown passes because his defense couldn't stop anybody. Then there's years it's like, well, he didn't have to throw as many because like the defense will just take care of business too. So in saying all that, like one, where do you have Josh Allen this year? And two, like just the whole strategy component of thinking through those things and what you're watching this offseason as we're heading into the NFL season. Yeah, I mean, that's a big problem with wanting your players to put up points in fantasy when they don't really need to do it in reality. That's a big problem. I remember Todd Gurley dropping near the goal line to burn out most of the clock because he didn't want, I think it was there playing Brady that year. So he didn't come back on the last drive and win it or something like that. I can't remember who they were playing. But yeah, you want your players to constantly perform on the field no matter what. That's kind of the first thing. Uh, In regards to Josh Allen, I'm fading him. I remember when he was cheaper, when people actually, and again, this is going back to the consheapist mentality. Everybody at some point actually thought Baker Mayfield was better than Josh Allen. This is a true story. And I remember doing a post on this And this goes back to even Derrick Henry with Damian Williams years ago. They thought Damian, before Henry really had that breakout, they had Williams ahead of Henry. And I said, Henry's better. And they had Mayfield, give or take a year, a year apart or so. They had Mayfield ahead of Allen. I said, Allen's better. I do posts on this. And people in the comments going back to that, you're crazy, you're nuts. How could you think that? You're psychotic. Last year, I said Najee Harris. Najee Harris is going to beat CMC in fantasy points. Imagine that, right? Because Christian McCaffrey was on top of the list. And I said, no, Najee will beat him guaranteed, right? <laughs> and sure enough, Najee beat him. So again, it's just nobody would put their neck on the line and say that. You're, you got to be nuts. Put that guy, I've heard it. Put him in a straitjacket. That guy's like, go lock him up. He's nuts. And I'm always right most of the time. 
give or take some of my guys fall off. Like I say, Quan got hurt last year. It is what it is. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to be more right than wrong. And that's what I am. So going back to what you said, fantasy above all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it, man. Like you said, like we've talked about the polarization, the purpose, the intrigue with it. And I got one last question. I'm just curious what your thoughts are on a dynasty football league. I mean, that's been sure. some of the it. things that I've where you just have this ongoing continuation and you can draft a Josh Allen when people are like, nah, he's the fourth best quarterback in this draft, maybe, right? That type of thing. And then you have him and then next thing, four years later, he's like one of the best players in the league. So that's it's a different mindset completely because you're a lot of times you're building for the future whilst trying to win now. Do you subscribe to Dynasty Football Leagues? Like, what's your thought on that? I love Dynasty. I'm just not in any leagues right now. I like keeping those guys because I can see, like, I'm not a fortune teller, but I can project into the future who's going to break out. So, are you just asking if I like them or is your content like, does it get involved in the Dynasty thing? Or are you more in a redraft? More in the redraft, but in my 16 round draft session, you know who the rookies I like are. You know who all the optimal players I like are. So, I mentioned the guys and I have them a couple of rounds higher on the ADP. So you know, okay, if I'm in a dynasty league, this guy likes this running back, like Alec Pierce, wide receiver. I like him a lot this year, right? So in dynasty, if you're looking at wide receivers, Joe really likes Alec Pierce. He's on all his teams. He's highlighted him here. I'm going to go with him. So there is a touch of dynasty, but not specifically towards dynasty. Got it. Got it. This is all good stuff, man. I appreciate it. I think there's just so much to take from it just to like for people to continue learning about fantasy football. I think for people to apply this to a purpose, like you talked about before, like how you even got started with this. And I know you talked about your father and you've touched on your father and how impactful it was for you to make the change and to find something that you wanted to do on a daily basis. And that's like, that's what it's all about, right? And I think that's awesome. And how could you not support that, right? Whether you agree with your take or not, like this is the type of thing that I think more and more people are going to continue to do. Again, not totally related to fantasy football, but whatever that passion is. And I think there's there's opportunity out there and we've seen it and you're proving it. And so I think it's awesome. You got to be super strong, right? No matter what. So then it takes a lot of pain sometimes to move you in that direction. And being as polar as I am, I remember getting my feelings were hurt when I first started. I remember one thing, mentioning something about Tom Brady cheating or something like that with the inflatable. I never said he actually cheated. I'm like, oh, is there a chance he could cheat? And this is when I first started my social media and everyone's like ripping into me in the comments. I had to leave the post because I got hurt. And now I get comments like, like real bad haters when they say, one guy in the comments, because they know I lost my dad. Hey, Mr. No Dad. Like, are you kidding me right now? There's that type of people that are that evil out there and that cruel that they would try to hurt you. So it's about having a thick skin persevering and just not giving a crap what people think. And if they take their time, they hate that much. There's something within them that they need to fix because there, there's some serious problems there. Yeah. Like you just said, that's a them problem, not your problem. And you just keep going yeah. on. Joe, man, I appreciate it. Where do people find you? Yeah, head on over to the fantasyfootballcounselor.com or just Google fantasy football counselor. And the main thing you want to follow is the Instagram and that'll direct you to everywhere else you want to go to win. <laughs> so... That's awesome, man. Well, thank you for spending this time with me. I appreciate it. And I hope to stay in touch. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you. One of my favorite things about our sports epreneur content platform is the opportunity to chat with amazing people in and around the world of sports. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you want to connect more, hit us up on Instagram at sports epreneur. Thank you for listening to this CAD source production, the sports epreneur podcast, the podcast where sports and entrepreneurship collide. CASCM is our content production company. Why content? It's simple. Content brings people together. I've seen it play out over and over, and I want to help others explore and discover this for themselves. 
the experience is totally worth it. Learn more at kazdm.com. We focus on podcasts and writing one piece of content at a time. It all starts with conversations just like this one.